Good morning. I'm Duarte Geraldino. And I'm Shamita Basu. This is Apple News Today. Each morning, hear about some of the most fascinating stories in the news and how the world's best journalists are covering them. The coronavirus has reached the Oval Office. President Donald Trump and First Lady Melania confirm they are infected. And that's where we start today. The president tweeted that he and his wife will immediately quarantine. The first lady tweeted they're canceling all of their upcoming engagements, including a campaign rally scheduled for today in Florida. Trump's physician issued a memo saying the president will continue to work while he's recovering. Bloomberg News reports President Trump is 74 years old and is medically obese, which puts him in the highest risk category for serious complications and even death from the disease. Trump's diagnosis will have global implications. CNN calls this the most serious known health threat to a sitting American president in decades. News of the president's confirmed COVID test broke overnight at 1 a.m. Eastern time. It's not clear yet what this will mean for the final month of the campaign or for the Supreme Court vacancy. Keep an eye on Apple News for the latest updates. Now, let's turn to a different coronavirus story. There's still so much we're trying to understand about how COVID-19 spreads, like why in some places there have been huge outbreaks and in other places, barely any. Why Northern Italy was hit hard, but not the rest of the country. Why New York City faced so much devastation early on, but not other cities in the U.S. Now, there may be a key scientific concept that we're overlooking, one which may help us answer all these questions. See, scientists typically look at something called the R-naught. The R-naught is a term that describes how contagious a disease is. Basically, if one person infects, on average, three people, the R-naught there is three. If one person infects 10 people, the R-naught is 10. So the thinking goes, the higher the R-naught, the more the disease spreads. But there's another measurement that could matter even more, one that writer Zainab Tefeci says we're not paying enough attention to. This key scientific concept is called K. It's the measure of dispersion. This article comes from The Atlantic, and the idea here is that one person can be really contagious, whereas someone else might not be. It's kind of like that example that statistics professors are known to give in class to explain how one unit can impact an average. It goes... If Bill Gates walks into a bar, everyone inside becomes a billionaire on average. Now, this is the driving idea behind the K, that one person can be responsible for driving up average infection rates by spreading significantly more virus than everyone else. That's right. Tefekchi cites a recent paper that found in Hong Kong about 19 percent of cases were responsible for 80 percent of transmission. Meanwhile, nearly 70% of cases didn't go on to infect anyone else. And apparently, Tefeci says, there are a bunch of studies echoing this. They suggest COVID is over-dispersed, that just 10 to 20% of infected people are actually responsible for a majority of the spread. Tefeci explains, in the West, we haven't really come to terms with K yet, with this dispersal rate, and we haven't adjusted our response. But in Japan, they have. And they did this through a counterintuitive strategy, which focuses on limiting testing to only people who have severe symptoms and putting all other efforts into finding and isolating the so-called super spreaders. Japanese officials even believe that sending everyone to go get tested during an outbreak can actually make things worse. 
Because instead of isolating, you're sending more people to go wait in line next to other people who could potentially spread more of the virus and get more people sick. I really like this quote from a member of Japan's COVID-19 task force who says, think of it this way. Japan is looking at a forest and trying to find the clusters. The U.S., on the other hand, is looking at the forest and trying to find individual trees. So what does that mean for us? Tefechi says we need a similar strategy, one that focuses on the clusters and not individual cases. Now, if we adopt that strategy, it would impact how we do contact tracing, rapid testing, and how we think about who to isolate and when. For all the writing that's out there about COVID-19 and what we know and what we don't know, this article feels like a key piece of a pretty complicated puzzle. This is the most unequal recession in modern U.S. history. That's according to a Washington Post analysis that looks at who the COVID economy is hitting the hardest. Some economists are calling this the first female recession. At the end of 2019, for only the second time in U.S. history, women outnumbered men in the workforce. But because of the pandemic, all that progress could be undone. Women, particularly moms, have lost their jobs at a higher rate than men. And according to a recent study, more women than men are feeling pressure to leave their jobs to care for children who are not able to go to school. Yeah, that study was conducted by McKinsey, which is a global management consulting firm, and the nonprofit organization Lean In. And this is one of the most comprehensive pandemic-era surveys of working men and women. More than 40,000 people in North America were surveyed for it. And Lean In's founder, Sheryl Sandberg, was on NPR talking about this study. It says that more than one in four women is considering downsizing her career or leaving the workforce right now. The Wall Street Journal looked at the survey data, too, and points out this dynamic was even more pronounced among women with young children. Sandberg, who's famously a single mom, says this report is not telling women to lean in. It's telling companies to lean in, that businesses need to be more flexible in recognizing the burden all women, and particularly women of color, are facing, so that they and our economy don't lose this talent. That's right. And we know that Black women are facing the slowest rate of job recovery in this pandemic. The Washington Post says this is partly because they're the most likely to work in low-paying service sector jobs. According to data from the Labor Department, white women have recovered 61 percent of lost jobs, while for Black women, only 34 percent of jobs have been recovered. The Post notes that it took a decade for Black women to recover from the 2008 recession. And now a lot of that progress has been erased. President Trump is baselessly insisting that people will commit voter fraud at the polls and by mail. He's been telling his supporters, go to the polls and be on the lookout. His son, Donald Trump Jr., recently put out a campaign video asking people to, quote, join an army to monitor the election. And some people are now worried that call to action could itself lead to voter intimidation and suppression. You know, there's real precedent for this type of call to action, intimidating voters and discouraging people from voting. In Market Watch, an associate professor of history and American studies at Rutgers University writes about what happened in 1981. That's when the GOP sent 200 armed, off-duty law enforcement officers to polling stations in majority Black and Latino communities in New Jersey. 
Now, according to the Rutgers University professor, these officers put up posters at polling places warning any voters committing fraud would be arrested. These armed officers also asked people to show their voter ID cards. Now, Republicans claimed they were just trying to prevent voter fraud and hadn't done anything wrong. Democrats ended up suing Republicans for what happened in 1981. The party ultimately signed an agreement in court, a federal consent decree that said the Republican National Committee can't carry out independent ballot security operations. That decree applied across the country, but it expired in 2018. So for the first time in four decades, those rules won't apply in a presidential election. And that takes us to today. Republican Party officials say they plan to recruit up to 50,000 people to show up at the polls to watch voters in 15 battleground states. And according to Politico, people have already responded to President Trump's call to action. They're showing up at election offices to watch voters request or turn in their mail-in ballots in person. One Trump campaign staffer was even escorted out of a Philadelphia election office. And local officials and voting rights advocates in that city say efforts by Trump supporters appear to be targeting voters of color. The director of the democracy program at the Brennan Center for Justice told Politico that voters should be vigilant but not fearful. And that part of the way voter intimidation efforts work is it makes people afraid to show up to the polls in the first place. It's important to still cast your ballot. And if you feel intimidated, there's a number you can call. You can alert election officials or voting rights volunteers on the ground. So take down this number. Vote.org says you can call a hotline called Election Protection at 866-687-8683. Finally, let's end the week by recognizing an unexpected hero. A brave, intelligent, friendly, furry rat. Vice brings us the story of Magawa. He's an African giant pouched rat. Now, this rat can detect landmines, the ones that were left behind after years of conflict by sniffing out explosive material. He's being used in Cambodia, which has the second highest number of landmines of any country after Afghanistan. And he's already cleared one and a half million square feet of land. Last week, he became the first rat awarded a gold medal by a vet charity called PDSA for, quote, life-saving bravery and devotion to duty. Now, the name Magawa actually means courage. And if you go to our show notes page, you can see photos of Magawa wearing this tiny gold medal around his neck. And listen, I don't like rats, but I've got to say, it's pretty cute. It's very adorable. Oh, he's almost as big as a cat. (laughs) Yeah, he's large. You can find all these stories and more and see Magawa in the Apple News app. Have a great weekend. We'll talk with you again on Monday. Monday. 